Greetings and welcome to The Wellness Space, a weekly podcast specifically designed to address the social, emotional, and mental health concerns of educators. I am your host, Erica Dotson-Hooper, manager of the Teaching and Learning Center for the Harris County Department of Education in Houston, Texas. Each Friday, a new episode will be available that promises to inform, inspire, and empower. Thank you for listening. Before we roll into today's episode, I wanted to take this opportunity to share some very exciting news. As we continue to educate students in the midst of a global pandemic, campus leaders and district teams are searching for the most effective ways to meet the social, emotional, and mental health needs of their teams. And in response, the Harris County Department of Education has launched Connection Matters, our new SELPD workshop series. Now, whether you need one session or 10, we can meet your campus needs by providing customized sessions and ongoing support throughout the year. If you're interested in setting up a consultation or have any questions, please reach out to us. My email address and Twitter handle will be placed in today's show notes. So if you have any questions, make sure you go to the information section of the podcast or feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Erica D.H. That's E-R-R-I-C-A-D-H. And we'll be in touch with you. I'm incredibly excited about today's guest, but before we get started, let's take a moment and step over into the teacher's lounge. Close the door, get comfortable, and take a moment just to breathe. The wellness space is listening. For the past nine episodes, we have shared with each of you social-emotional best practices and suggestions from experts on how to thrive and survive during this time. However, we want to pause this episode and hear directly from you. We appreciate the emails and the direct messages, as well as the shout outs on Twitter. But today, after you listen to this episode, please send us a message on Twitter using the hashtag HCDE Wellness Space and let us know what do you have in your self-care toolbox. I think that sharing is so powerful in community because there's someone that needs exactly what you're doing. So if you would, please log on to Twitter. You can at me at Erica DH and at HCDE Texas and let us know how you've been impacted by the podcast as well as sharing with us what do you have tucked away in your self-care toolbox. And now let me present to some and introduce to others our guest for today. Kelly Trelevin is heading into her 11th year of teaching middle school English in Houston and blogs about the teaching life at loveteachblog.com. She has been featured in the New York Times, Washington Post, NPR's Morning Edition, and We Are Teachers. Her debut book, Love, Teach, Real Stories and Honest Advice to Keep Teachers from Crying Under Their Desk, 
is available for purchase from a variety of retailers. She only cried under her desk once last year, a fact she feels is braggable. And now, let's welcome Kelly Trelevin to the Wellness Greetings, Kelly Trelevin, and welcome to the Wellness Space. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite a while. I'm so excited (laughs) about the work that you're doing and your amazing book that just came out. But before we get into our conversation, I have to ask, how are you doing and how are you caring for yourself during this time? You know, I'm doing pretty well. Um, But if you had asked me this question, you know, second week of quarantine, Mm -hmm. um, and a month into quarantine and two months into quarantine, I think I would have had completely different answers at all those times. So it's definitely been an adjustment and yeah. the whole process, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm doing well now. <laughs> well, that's good to hear, you know, and I could totally agree with that. Like it took me about two months before I just kind of surrendered my will. Like, okay, uh-huh. so this is not what it's going to be. Um, yeah. And just accept it. What is um, as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, trying to make this time uh, be something else, you know? And so I've been trying to stay open. Um, and ready to move forward and whatever adjustment needs to be made um, I've grown to know that it's going to be for my ultimate good so I'm super excited um, about the possibilities you know even though it's a tough time I think that (laughs) we have some amazing possibilities that await us as we stay flexible Um, yeah that's a great point I think the first two weeks into quarantine I had this insane daily to-do list and I was like <laughs> I'm gonna go for a run every day and I'm gonna do, mm-hmm. you know I'm gonna check all these things off my checklist and this is how productive I'm gonna be and now it's it let just like you said it's more about being flexibility and just holding you know holding everything lightly and being open to change and you know am I taking mm-hmm. care of myself that's kind of right. the question I'm asking instead of am I being super productive? So mm-hmm. um, and isn't yeah. that amazing how life switches like that? Like yes. from <laughs> having this, you know, this angst about getting it all done to uh-huh. now just, am I okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Did I like, water my plants? Did yes. I take a shower today? Those yes. are, <laughs> yeah. And so in a lot of ways we're getting healthier, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and so, that is that is a piece that I will forever treasure that, um, mm-hmm. you know, because I have not always taken the best care of myself. I've always and you know this like in the profession, <laughs> you tend to put everyone else's needs first, you know, yes, just kind of yes. the nature of the work, you know, but um, it's been good to not only evaluate you know what priorities (laughs) are for me but also to ensure that I'm healthy enough to give back to all those people that depend on me right you know absolutely so um as we get into our conversation um I want to just kind of talk a little about what brought you to the field yeah so this is kind of a long story I'll give you the short version Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh I originally really wanted to go into publishing and Mm. um, I mean, I, I feel like my approach to that was just 
well, what am I interested in? Okay, I'm mm-hmm. interested in books and reading and mm-hmm. publishing sounds like a field where I would just get to read books all day. So that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, and long story short, I uh, got an internship in publishing and realized, you know, I really need to be on the people side of books, um, mm-hmm. and not the, you know, marketing kind of selling aspect. So um, I moved home and just got my teaching certification and uh, picked a school kind of haphazardly and just really stumbled into education. But I mean, ever since that first year, I knew, even when it was really hard, I knew this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. And um, this is where I'm meant to be. I still feel that. Mm -hmm. And So, yeah, it was definitely not a I was not a, you know, wanted to be a teacher from the time I was five, anything like that. But I think that's really important to acknowledge, too, because sometimes we think that you can't that people shouldn't be in teaching if if it wasn't their ultimate goal. But sometimes, you know, things happen that way and you become a teacher. um, Whoops, I just moved the phone around. Um, Not as your first option, but then it becomes your dream job. And that's yes. kind of what happened to me. That's awesome. And I think it's so <laughs> interesting that most of the people that I've interviewed say the same thing. <laughs> they oh, not, okay, good. <laughs> that they were not uh, planning to get into education. It just kind of took them up, right? Like they just mm-hmm, jumped mm-hmm. in it for a bit and it kind of just takes over your life. Um, and then yeah. if you are, you have a love for children and trying to make a difference. It definitely um holds on tight to you um so (laughs) as you began working as a teacher what what would you have to say was your biggest surprise oh um so I talk about this in the book but I I really thought that I would get into teaching and that it would be hard for just a little while Mm -hmm. and that (laughs) (laughs) and that it would then maybe it would be hard for other people but not for me yeah um and it was I I just couldn't like the the problems that I encountered were so much bigger than I anticipated Mm. you know I just thought oh exhaustion or Mm -hmm. classroom management but you know I was coming into contact with all these things that I was like I don't even know where to start with this Mm -hmm. and some of these problems that I'm telling people about, there's no, I can't, there's no solution to them. There's no Hmm. bandaid for this. So Mm -hmm. I think just the, the sheer size of the difficulties that I was presented with my first year was the biggest surprise Mm -hmm. um, for sure. Mm -hmm. And so just to piggyback off of that, what (laughs) what would you say was like one of your biggest struggles getting into the profession? I think, I think just not being aware of how hard it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I anticipated that, well, first of all, the, the books that I read going into teaching, I realized later, mm-hmm. okay, these books were not written for people in schools like mine. Yeah. These books were written by people who I guess, you know, had been teaching in very wealthy, very homogenous schools, maybe before email, Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe before Mm -hmm. No Child Left Behind, maybe before um, 
the internet yeah. <laughs> honestly mm-hmm. and I just I found myself in a classroom that didn't look anything like what I had read about mm-hmm. and I so it was a combination of that and then mm-hmm. looking around in my hallway and just assuming that I was the worst one mm-hmm. um, and again that that's on me that's me not you know reaching out to my teammates and um other people on my hall enough but I just assumed oh my gosh I'm the only one who's not just like killing it every day yeah and what's funny is you know I talked to some people now who were new teachers with me at that school and they were like you were doing such a great job like you were definitely (laughs) the best out of any of the new teachers what are you talking about Mm -hmm. but kind of like we said earlier before we started recording the more that you get in your own head and stay in your own world, Mm -hmm. the more critical and kind of sinister your thoughts can become. So I really struggled with um, just feeling insecure about my, my own teaching and my abilities even to Mm -hmm. be able to teach. And I think that's a powerful uh, piece too, because a lot of teachers don't reach out, especially in those early years Mm -hmm. because of fear of judgment. Um, or fear of failure or, you know, just fear of being, you know, ridiculed or scorned in some way. Um, But Mm -hmm. instead of just kind of keeping to yourself, it's so important to seek out mentors and uh, to find even just other teachers, even other first year teachers, you know, uh, that are on the same page as you, but you could share ideas and um, Mm -hmm. come up with solutions together that will make it a lot easier. You know, it won't be easy, but Mm-hmm. easier and so how many years yeah. have you been teaching this will be my 11th year wow so, so I still feel like a baby a little bit oh yeah for sure <laughs> for sure <laughs> and so like over those 11 years like what would you say um were your victories or areas that you could look back and celebrate hmm I you know I th- I think my victories have been a little more kind of slow growth. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can really pinpoint, I mean, like I can definitely pinpoint some of my best days of teaching. Um, The last chapter in my book, I talk about a uh, poetry slam that (laughs) went Mm -hmm. super well and (laughs) that uh, I, I loved a lot, but I think more, I'm just really proud of, the way that I've matured as a teacher, um, Mm -hmm. some of the education that I've uh, tasked myself with um, Mm -hmm. has led to just so much improvement for my students. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and, and that's just, that's everything from curriculum to the way I assess to anti-racist education. And um, I'm, uh, yeah, I think those would be the victories because those have the most impact on my mm-hmm. students um, mm-hmm. rather than like, you know, a day that was probably a fun, a fun lesson. But mm-hmm. um, I think the, the bigger changes are harder to pinpoint, but are, have made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. And so over your time uh, working in schools, who did you lean on for support? <laughs> so I realized pretty quickly that telling my roommates every day that, teaching was still hard and teaching, you know, the next day teaching, yeah, teaching was really hard today. Mm -hmm. Here's how it's still hard. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of where my blog was born out of because I realized the only people who really understand what this is like are other teachers yes. at my school. <laughs> and so I started blogging anonymously just partly as a way to get everything that I was feeling down, mm-hmm. but also <laughs> so that, you know, when my mom or friends or even my roommates would be like, Hey, so how's teaching going? You know, mm-hmm. I could be like, here, just check out my blog. So I didn't have to be like, well, I'm the worst at this still. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so yeah, writing has always been really powerful for me. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think I really leaned on that blog a lot in the early years and, um, you know, found out that a lot of people did too. That was really before social media was a big thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so people I didn't know just started following it and saying, you know, hey, I'm in Virginia, I don't know where you are, but this really resonated with me. And I was like, wow, you know, Mm -hmm. there's there's other people across the nation and even across the world that feel these kind of things about teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wish, I wish I'd started seeing a therapist way earlier. um, Yeah. Because they could actually point me in some directions and, you know, say, hey, this self-talk that you're doing maybe not so healthy, but, um, <laughs> that's what a blog is for. If you, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> good, healthy self-talk, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, and I, but I, you know, not to, you know, just not to undercut the, the power of having a therapist, um, <laughs> why, especially while you're teaching, you know, someone to kind of replenish you and, and help mm-hmm. you, uh, find answers as you are giving out to others because sometimes it's so hard you know because mm-hmm. you can find yourself on empty really quick um, and yeah. to have someone to kind of guide your path is always so beneficial but for sure um, to have the blog you know and I think another point is a lot of times we're hesitant about sharing our stories um, but I'm mm-hmm. always so amazed at the power of the share, you know, um, and because you will find that so many people can connect and relate to your story if we just have the <laughs> courage to open up and, and share what we're going through with others. So yeah. now let's talk about your book, Love Teach. What what motivated <laughs> you to write this book? Uh, I really needed a book like this when I was a first year teacher. Mm. Um, I really needed a book that instead of telling me, you know, here's 38 times that I said exactly <laughs> the right thing to a student. And uh-huh. hey, here's, here's how you should arrange the 12 desks that are going to be in your room. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes teaching is hard, but mostly it's perfect. Um, it, those were the kind of books I read, but mm-hmm. definitely not the books that I needed. Um, so I, I needed something like this, that that showed me, hey, this teacher that I really looked up to, they mm-hmm. have really messed up before. Mm-hmm. Um, and and all of the teachers that I look up to have messed up before, even if they don't, even if they're not sharing those stories. Um, and that it's possible to mess up a lot and mm-hmm. grow from it and get better. And um, yeah, I think that vulnerability is something that doesn't happen nearly enough in our profession. Mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, there's the fear of judgment, but there's also the very real fear of losing your job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. If I share with my administrator, 
hey, I feel like I have zero control over my classes. Like, that's just going to put me, you know, right under the microscope. Yes. So, um, yeah, I I needed a book that talked about how hard it was, but also was encouraging uh, that it gets better. And and here's some honest advice, not kind of sugar-coated advice that assumes that you have tons of resources and tons of support at your fingertips, which is not the case in all schools. Mm-hmm. That sounds like something that a lot of new teachers would definitely need to understand um, as well as uh, hear and know, you know, as they go into their year that mm-hmm. um, everything may not be the way it appears <laughs> um, in some of these other uh, books and documents that you read, um, but to have a real life um, teacher that's still in the profession be very Mm -hmm. vulnerable and share best practices um, in a transparent way. So why don't you share um, a passage from the book that is incredibly meaningful for you? Sure. Um, Is it okay? It's a couple paragraphs. Sure. Absolutely. So this is from a chapter talking about one of my worst days. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of worst days that I talk (laughs) about in here, but um, okay. But something to consider on your worst days is that if you decide to stick with it, your best days are coming. Mm. If I could go back in time to that day, unlock the door and go find the frightened and tearful me under the desk, I would tell her this. It will get better. I would remind her that for every moment of teaching that will send her under her desk, there there will eventually be another one that makes her heart feel like it will explode in a thunderous display of glitter and electric guitar solos. Mm -hmm. I would tell her about Alejandra, a student she will have in a few years who will begin the year refusing to read anything and in March ask to borrow the sequel to the novel they just finished in class. I would tell her about leading writing workshops and listening to seventh graders talk about and critique one another's writing in a way that rivaled the college writing workshops she took. The heart explosions, the under the under the desk cries, the into the bubble bath cries, the Mm -hmm. onto your dog's fur cries. (laughs) This is all very normal in teaching. It's part of the roller coaster. And when I say roller coaster, I'm talking about the old wooden roller coaster in the back corner of the theme park. The one that's still there from the park's opening in 1951 that is still awesome, but most people avoid because they think it's only a few loose bolts away from being condemned. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's fun in a way that is actually fun, and sometimes it's fun in an, oh, I'm actually going to die right now kind of way. Mm -hmm. And yet, somehow, despite the fear and the whiplash and the possibility of plummeting over the edge after a particularly sharp curve, Once the ride slows to a stop, I find myself craving it, the thrill in my chest, the wind in in my hair, and I get in line again and again and again. Mm. (laughs) That's beautiful. And I think it's so timely, right? (laughs) um, As as we sit in the middle of this global pandemic and try to figure (laughs) out what's next, like what is this year going to look like um, in spite of everything and to hear those words, I think, will give teachers that boost and encouragement that they need as they begin to return to school and and ex- have experiences that may make them feel like they want to go hide under a desk. <laughs> um, that, that's such Absolutely. a real portrayal uh, of what a day in the life of a teacher can be. <laughs> 
Yeah, a day, you know, a week, uh, a whole year. <laughs> I think all of this. Erica, did you grow up in Houston? No, I'm from Los Angeles. Okay. Okay, I was gonna say if uh, if anyone from Houston is listening to this, that mm-hmm. roller coaster analogy was completely inspired by Texas Cyclone Astro World. Um, <laughs> but I have been Astro World. Uh, I... Oh, okay, yeah, maybe maybe you've been on it, but it was it's definitely this really creaky old roller coaster that I was like, any day I'm gonna come here and they're gonna be like, sorry, it's closed. You know, it mm-hmm. finally broke. But... <laughs> So speaking of that creaky roller coaster, um, <laughs> you know, we we have a unique opportunity to reimagine and redesign schools as we continue to educate students virtually. What would you like to see? Um, I've been thinking about this question mm-hmm. and I would really like to see, and I think we are beginning to see, but I would really like to see well-meaning white teachers just completely investigate their own practices, their own biases, mm-hmm. their own curriculum. Um, you know, I've, I've heard of a lot of teachers who have begun the work after mm-hmm. this summer. And mm-hmm. I mean, relatively speaking, I've only just begun the work too, but I, I hope that it's not a process of, okay, well, I've read this book, so I can check this off on the list. And now I'm an anti-racist educator. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I've, I've done this one thing. So I guess I'm done. But that this will be the beginning of a big shift um, Mm -hmm. that people understand as a process that's not about us Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. It's Mm -hmm. not about our own (sighs) enlightenment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that it's about the students we serve and the work that we do. Um, and I just think, you know, I, I know that it's tough with teaching virtually, but now is the perfect time as things are kind of on their head mm-hmm. to, to just do that with everything mm-hmm. and, and, and just hold everything a little bit more lightly this mm-hmm. year. And, and even if you make, connecting with your students and respecting their humanity the focus Mm -hmm. of your work and you 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 know you you try some new ways that are different to you and maybe not as effective but Mm -hmm. that you remember what's important about this job Mm -hmm. and uh that's what that's what I hope would you happen to have any like book recommendations or suggestions for teachers who want to be anti-racist in their practice, but don't know quite where to start with that. Yeah. um, One of the best resources that I've found over the last couple of years has been the hashtag uh, disrupt texts. Mm -hmm. Um, It's from a group of educators that contribute to it. Um, Bettina Love, Mm -hmm. Dr. Bettina Love Mm -hmm. has a book, We Want to Do More Than Survive. And I believe the second part of that title is about abolitionist teaching. Mm -hmm. Those are really good starting points. Um, Clear. Oh, hashtag clear the air edu Mm. is another great kickoff point. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would say those are like the, the building blocks um, Mm -hmm. that, I mean, just investigating those are going to open up a whole new world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I would say those, 
those resources were the most powerful to me when when I started understanding that the world is not at all what I thought it was right right thank you so much for that I know that those are going to be very beneficial for those of our listeners who are interested in continuing in that work now how has your district been impacted by COVID oh we haven't been we're fine (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, well um we are in Harris County. So mm-hmm. Spring Branch is on the west side. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of shaped like an egg with I-10 running through it. Mm-hmm. Um, above I-10 is uh, quite a few Title I schools. And below I-10 is one of the wealthiest zip codes in Houston. Mm. Um, which, you know, there's <laughs> there's a lot to that. But but I appreciate that we're a district with a lot of, um, that we are a district who has to be aware of um, both of those populations. Yes. And that, um, you know, I, I think that our central administration and, and board are very aware of that and mindful as we plan. Um, it's just, I, I don't envy any superintendent right mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. any even a school administrator like there's not a whole lot of shots that they can call but I'm sure that people are coming to them about like here's why we have to keep schools closed and they're like I I'm <laughs> not in charge of this you know yeah um so yeah we've we've seen this summer um and that's another area I feel really sorry for superintendents and administrators because so many of them began planning, mm-hmm. you know, in March and April with these visions of the future. And like, here's what experts are saying could possibly happen. So mm-hmm. let me get to planning. And then, you know, late July, all of that changes. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think what our district is, has said is we're going to move forward with the plan that we had in late July. Like we're, we're virtual until September 8th, which that was changed based on uh, Judge Hidalgo's recommendations. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's looking like September 8th, we will have uh, parents being able to opt in for in-person education. Okay. Okay. Um, So with that, there are so many (laughs) teachers that are incredibly afraid yeah, um, of what returning to school in person will mean, what it will look like, how it'll impact their their lives, their families, their campus. What would you mm-hmm. say to them? Oh, first, I would say I'm with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am mm-hmm. with you in that anxiety and that confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I've felt really overwhelmed by a lot of that lately, but I'm I'm also reminded that I I don't want this world that we live in now. I don't want this to be the world that I'm living in in 10 years. And mm-hmm. the way that we get out of that is by building a better one. And mm-hmm. we are in a unique position as teachers to influence that, that next world. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even talking about politically, although like all of teaching is political if you really mm-hmm. get down to it but mm-hmm. but i i just mean modeling 
kindness and modeling um, compassion and reading books that highlight stories that might be different than your students are exposed to. And um, we just, from, from math to social studies to science to everything, we just, we're in such a unique position as educators Mm -hmm. to impact the world in a positive way right now. And I don't mean that in a dismissive way. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like people attach that message to like, here's why teachers should go back to school. You can have a positive impact. But Mm -hmm. I mean, like, okay, I'm with you. We've been told we have to go back, even though it's not safe. Mm -hmm. Just remember what we can do with this. And, um, you know, I, I think that one of those ways is talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I try to say as much as I can on how I feel about the subject, keeping in mind that I am a current teacher and, you know, that there could be repercussions, but, um, it, it's hard when you are a teacher and, and don't feel like you have a voice yeah. and you've got really strong feelings about going back, but, mm-hmm. um, we, we have to do that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you want your educational legacy to be? This is a great question, Erica. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, um, cause I think different people will have different answers about this. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm, I'm envisioning this as like you asking people in the future, or what do you, what do you remember about mm-hmm. your teacher, Kelly Trelevin, or what do you remember about Kelly Trelevin, the educator? Mm-hmm. And I would hope that my students leave my class thinking, Oh my gosh, that class changed my thinking mm-hmm. in a really significant way. Miss mm-hmm. Trelevin really challenged my thoughts about myself, about the world, about um, what it means to be here on this mm-hmm. planet. Um, mm-hmm. That I, That's what I want my legacy to be. Like, it, it'd be great if kids were like, oh yeah, she's a great teacher. I loved her. But more than that, you know, I just, I... I want to change things and not like in a uh, sugar-coated, like I'm here to change the world type deal. But yeah, I know. I, uh, so I teach at a school for highly gifted children and they are, they're my favorite people mm-hmm. on the planet. They're <laughs> so smart. Um, but they're also totally the boundary pushers, mm-hmm. you know, like they, we'll find every single loophole in my project assignments. And mm-hmm. be like, well, you know, you didn't say that we couldn't do this. And I, I want them to do that in the world for good. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. want them to be the lawyers who are finding the loopholes working on, you know, the innocence project mm-hmm. or, um, you know, criticizing the powers that be in areas that need to be criticized. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I just, I hope they continue doing that. And I don't ever want to stifle those abilities, but just show them how to use that in a way that benefits um, people and themselves. Yes. I love <laughs> it. So tell us before we go, where can we purchase your book and oh. any other details about what you have to offer the world through your gifts? Oh, um so 
my book is available in a variety of different uh, platforms, but I would really encourage people to support their local bookstores, um, mm-hmm. visiting them and, and asking if they'll order my book. Um, it's called Love Teach, mm-hmm. uh, Real Stories and Honest Advice to Keep Teachers from Crying Under Their Desks. And, uh, but, you know, if, if local bookstores aren't immediately available to you, then um, by all means, you can Google it or it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the big areas as well. Um, mm-hmm. I blog, you can, you can look back through all my blogs since the, the time that I first started it at loveteachblog.com. And I'm available on most social media platforms, not TikTok yet. I haven't made it there. <laughs> um, <laughs> with the handle at loveteachblog. And uh, oh, and I have a, I guess by the time that this airs, my uh, article, my op-ed will be up, but it's called Get Ready for a Teacher Shortage Like We've Never Seen Before mm. uh, on the New York Times. So that, and many yeah. congratulations for that. <laughs> we can't wait to thank read you. That. So thank you. Any final thoughts or advice for our audience? Yeah, um, I guess just teachers. Uh, I love you, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm with you. You know, and this year is going to be. I don't even know. I don't even know what this year is going to be, but I'm with you in it, in the thick of it, and. Um, this will be a year like we've never seen before, but let's use it as much to our advantage as possible in, um, beginning to build a better world alongside our students. That's my final advice. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kelly. And I wish you the very best. Thank you. It was so great talking to you. This is awesome. You as well. (laughs) we are so grateful that you tuned in to today's episode and we hope that in some small way you were encouraged and enlightened as well as being equipped with some new skills to add to your self-care toolkit but let's not allow the conversation to end here let's continue in community together all week on twitter We ask that you follow us at HCDE underscore TLC. That's the Teaching and Learning Center for the Harris County Department of Education. There you will find information about upcoming workshops, conferences, and other PD events. And also follow me at Erica DH. That's at Erica E-R-R-I-C-A-D-H. And don't forget to use the hashtag HCDE Wellness Space. Until next time, be well.